This is Stop Shooting Yourself, a podcast all about life's sneaky expectations and how they can hijack our happiness and how we show up in the world for ourselves and for those we love. I'm your host, Jill Anderson, a shooting survivor, expectations exterminator, speaker, and coach. Now it's time to get down to the nitty gritty of ditching the shoulds, living life on purpose, and why it's so worth it. Welcome back. Gosh, it has been a minute since I've put out a new episode and I have to tell you, it feels really great to be back. I used the time away to refresh, refocus, and reconnect and it has really been fantastic. Speaking of reconnecting, today's guest is someone I have known almost 12 years, which blows my mind. We don't talk often, but when we do, we experience that time machine effect. You know, the one when you haven't seen somebody in ages, but you feel like you just pick up where you left off. Tim Johnson is that kind of person. He is an adjunct professor of practice at Drake University here in Des Moines, which is where we met while I was getting my MBA about 12 years ago why my mind is blown. (laughs) He is my favorite professor of all time, and you will see why that is in a moment. But first, Tim is a small business owner, a creative to his core, and someone who lives with integrity. He also has this desire to infect people with amazingness. It's just what he does. He recently released two online workshops, for which he has generously provided discount codes. You can find those in the show notes. One is all about personal branding, which is something he knows very well. He has built a very successful project management consulting business. Um, He has also obviously been a professor for a number of years. Uh, The other workshop is all about saying no. I have been through this workshop. It's called Know Your Audience, N-O, Know Your Audience. He also enjoys play on words, just like I do. And it's so impactful to really tune up on these little skills, but they are so important to living a very fulfilled and intentional life. Tim's adventure to appreciating the value of that little word will resonate with just about everyone, I promise. So with that, let's get to the good stuff. Here we go. Tim Johnson, everyone. I am delighted, and I mean delighted, you'll find out why in a moment, to have Tim Johnson here with me. Tim and I go way back, like over 10 years way back, when I was um, the Jill that I don't really remember anymore. I was in um, business school at Drake, and he was by far the most dynamic, memorable professor I've ever encountered. And it's testament to his character and how fantastic he is that we are still doing great things over 10 years later. So Tim, say hello and just dive in and tell us all about your wonderful greatness. Hi, everybody. Uh, Thanks, Jill, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Gosh, where to start? Uh, I I was born in a log cubicle. Um, No. (laughs) 
I, I'm like a kid in a candy store professionally. I, I see stuff and I'm like, Ooh, I want that. And so, you know, I, I get to do a lot of things that I just love doing. I, I'm a project manager. So I manage a lot of it projects. I uh, teach MBA classes at Drake still. Uh, I, I started when my oldest daughter was one month old uh, teaching here and now she is a junior in college. Holy moly. So, yeah, so that that makes us all feel old. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I and you know, it was just an adjunct form. You know, I, I've never like I did one year of a full time visiting, uh, but I I love being an adjunct. It's just kind of like I, I get to be freelance. You know, yeah, it's I don't the have best to worry of both about, worlds, right? I don't have to worry about tenure track. It, it appears they've snuck tenure in on me or something because they never let me go. You know, so. <laughs> Because you're great. That's I, I'm right. like the stray dog that they fed. So, <laughs> so, but don't yeah. you feel that because I'm just going to go on this tangent really fast. Don't you feel, though, that because of what you get to do with your job, if you will, that your entrepreneurial spirit, all the things that the curiosities that you follow, that's what makes you so great. So to, you know, so to I, take that away would be such a sad detriment to us students because we get so much from you and your you know, you're right. And they've actually, you know, started using the term professor of practice. So for for the people who haven't gone the PhD academia route, but are in the trenches doing the stuff, that's the term they now use to make us sound a little more legitimate than we actually are. (laughs) Uh, But but, uh, so I guess, yes, calling me an adjunct professor of practice would would be it. But yeah, I mean, I'm a small business owner. I've, uh, I've had my uh, consulting business and contracting business, Carpe Factum, uh, which is Latin for seize the accomplishment. I've had that, gee, since I think I incorporated in 2003, 2004, somewhere back in there, like, you know. Moons uh, ago. Yeah, many <laughs> moons ago. Uh, and, and actually, Carpe Factum is my DBA. Uh, my my actual incorporated name is far more boring. Uh, but, you know, do, doing, uh, you know, choosing Latin. And, and actually, you know, we were kind of joking a little bit about the commonality of my name before you start recording. And um, and so that was one of the reasons why I chose Carpe Factum was and like if I've got a name like Tim Johnson, there's like you know what five zillion of us across <laughs> the planet. You know, I I'm going to have to come up with a rather creative and unique consulting name. And, mm-hmm. and really that's one of the first steps of branding uh even is just getting noticed. Right. You know, again before we start recording, uh, I was, you know, we were talking about how hard it is to market yourself as an entrepreneur. And you know, the the first step in marketing and branding is you have to be noticed. You know, people have to to you know, you have to break through their crap filter of all yep. the stuff they're bombarded with and say, "Ooh, wait. What what was that?" Yeah. yeah. So so you know, and you know, the Carpe Factum brand has served me well uh, for many years and I'll continue to use it till I retire. And who knows, maybe someone will want to, to purchase Carpe Factum uh, as a company, as a brand. So who knows? Uh, or, or I just leave it to my kids and my will and make them deal with it. So. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's an easy way to do it. But yeah. see, so we'll, we'll talk a bit about the, 
the excellent workshop that you've um, recently launched, but that is also under a different name other than Carpe Factum. Yes, um, because I decided, you know, well, it's an interesting journey. Uh, <laughs> that could describe half of what I do. That's an interesting journey. <laughs> we, we sit out in a covered wagon. You know? Yes. Uh, but but um, so about six years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and he suggested that I put some of my training content because I've had all of these lessons from Drake. I, I used to do a lot more conference workshops. And, and so I've got so, some really good content that's resonated with my audiences over the years. And he said, why don't you get on, uh, on platforms like, uh, you know, Coursera and Udemy and, and now, you know, we have LinkedIn learning and everything. And, and it was one of those things where I, I'm not a, a jump right into it kind of guy. I need to, to noodle it around for a little bit. And this one actually was about six years of noodling. Um, Really? Because, uh, yeah, uh, and, and it, talk about your shoulds. Uh, I was beating myself up, really, for the first five years. I should be doing this. I mm -hmm. should be doing this. This is a good idea. I should be doing this. But you know how, you know, God or the universe or, or you know, wh whatever kismet, you know, out there kind of says, not yet. Divine timing. Yeah, divine timing. And, and so... Uh, about four years ago, Drake started making mi the migration to more online courses. And the, you know, so four years ago was, we were starting into hybrid courses. Um, and then uh, two years ago, uh, we went to online courses. And, you know, one of the courses I teach project management became part of the required core courses. So I got dragged in kicking and screaming whether I wanted to <laughs> or not. But I will say this, Drake put me through some wonderful training. They brought in some speakers uh, and, and it, was, it was a great experience because I really learned the proper way of doing online teaching. Mm. Everything from how to deliver uh, workshops uh, and lessons, you really should stay under 10 minutes. And if you can't stay under 10 minutes, learn how to chunk your lesson into smaller pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I try to follow that. I don't always follow that with Drake, but with Udemy, uh, I believe they have a cap that you can't do a single lesson video over 10 minutes. So you have to be under 10 minutes for each of your videos. So I, I maintain that very, very, uh, you know, close to the, the mark you know and uh i it was funny on one of my videos i i was actually uh i think i wound up like 10 minutes and 30 seconds <laughs> but but learning all of those little techniques and everything and so when when um uh, my contract with a client ended last year. And of course, we're in the middle of this glorious pandemic. And, and I, you know, so I'm like, you know what? I need downtime away from contracting. Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought, why not now? I now know how to build online content much better than I did five years ago when this idea was first presented to me. Yeah. And so I, um, well, I so, mean, Part of this is what I'm hearing is like you were prepped for the pandemic before it was cool, which you're ahead yeah. of the curve on a lot of stuff. So that's not shocking. But there's also the power of um, 
asking for help and being willing to receive, which are very challenging things for a lot of people, myself included. So, so getting back, circling all the way back to the naming of my workshops that we we missed out on there, I, we have had a running joke at our house, you know, talk about having a name like Tim Johnson. Um, And my wife is a high school English teacher. And, uh, you know, we have just had this running joke forever because the rabid dog that Atticus shoots and kills in the book To Kill a Mockingbird was named Tim Johnson. That just blows my mind. I can't even believe I don't remember that, but now I'm going to go read it again. Yeah, and and so she has teased me about this fact forever. Um, (laughs) And um, I married a rabid dog, she says. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she actually has. And so, (laughs) so I finally just said, you know, if I ever create another business venture, any business venture whatsoever, it is going to have rabid dog in the name, in the title, just to get back at you. Yes. <laughs> to poke some fun back at you for all of this uh, joking about, um, you know, the, the, you know, you're equating me with this rabid dog. So, so it, uh, again, you know, one of my workshops, you know, I let you listen to the one on saying no, but the other one is on branding. And so I'm like, I better practice what I preach because I, uh, and on the branding workshop, it's specifically about branding your accomplishments. So there's a ton, ton out there on how to brand products and companies. And there's a ton, ton out there on personal branding. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in that middle ground of how do we brand our accomplishments, our, our messaging, our, uh, our tasks, our ideas that we have. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there, there's great concepts out there in branding. I mean, the, the workshop itself is nothing new in the branding realm. Um, you know, I, I did what, you know, every other consultant out there does. Steal from one person, it's plagiarism. Steal from many people, it's research. And, and so <laughs> I, I researched. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so the, the name Rabid Dog Growth kind of came out uh, of playing around with things uh, from the branding front. And then, you know, the, the tagline kind of fell into place uh, because the tagline for uh, Rabid Dog Growth is taking vital skills viral. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and some people might say, really, you went with a rabid dog in the middle of a pandemic. Huh? <laughs> uh, you, know, you wanted to use viral really right now? And yes. Yes. It's never been Thank as you. clearly understood <laughs> as it is yeah. in this moment. Exactly. So- and that is not to make light uh, of the pandemic. Uh, I know we just passed the uh, half million mark on lives lost. And I, I've known plenty of people who have been stricken with it. I've known a couple of people who have lost their lives, so please don't take this as me diminishing that. But I, I also deal with things with humor, especially Same. dark humor. Same. Uh, you know, I, uh, if it weren't for my dark sense of humor, I don't think I would have made it through this past year. And, yes. and it is wild that we are coming up on a year, a year. of this. Isn't it incredible? Uh, so Same. It, it truly is. Um, and and we were uh, 
I was talking with my my daughters and, and we re- refer to, you know, prior to 2020 is the before times. You know? Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, when when you get so conditioned, like I've had times where I've gotten out of my car and I've gone to walk in a store and then within two seconds, I'm like, oh, I don't have my mask on. Right. Like it's just it's, yeah. it's amazing how quickly you adapt and, you know, really life changes so quickly. And personally, you know, I, I will be honest, I like wearing the mask in public. I, I kind of, I believe it or not, I am an introvert. Uh, <laughs> and, and so going incognito in public uh, is, is kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you don't know who I am. <laughs> I know. Put on some sunglasses and a hat and you can rob um, a bank. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, get there he goes. The hat on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, so, so yeah, uh, rabbit dog growth came around and I obviously want to eventually get into the bigger stuff that I teach, you know, project management and office politics and creativity. Uh, some of the, the courses that have really resonated with students as a whole but I wanted to test the waters first a little bit. So I, I took two of the smaller things that I've taught as part of other classes and actually made those standalone courses. Okay. Now, something I want to ask, how important, you know, as you're testing the water with these more simple, vital skills, do you, have you seen in your work that it really is critical to be damn good at the little things first and that we really oh, yes. miss a lot of this little stuff. Cause shooting, I think fits into that. It's one of those really quiet things that just rules lives on so many levels. And it's a very simple concept, but it's a very difficult one to, to yeah. get a hold of and to, and to really turn the tide on and master. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I reference the, um, the, uh, Heath Brothers book, uh, Decisive, I think, at one point. And, and they talk about the, this technique called ooching, O-O-C-H-I-N-G, in their book, uh, where you, you test out on a small scale. You don't go all in right away. You, 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 know, you do something small. And so for me, starting out with um, you know, the, these two workshops, which were two things that I felt really, really comfortable with, uh, you know, saying no is such a critical skill uh, and certainly dovetails into what you talk about with, with shooting. Um, and, and so really uh, approaching that. And then the branding stuff, again, was actually another should that, that morphed for me because I had published my last book, uh, I had done three business fables. Uh, my last one was published in 2010. And I was actually looking at doing this branding uh, material as my next book, as my fourth book. And, you know, really life gets in the way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and so in 2010, uh, my mom had a recurrence of breast cancer, uh, which ultimately took her from us in 2011. Uh, and then my oldest daughter hit puberty and it was like game over. Uh, (laughs) and you know, so, and and it really, you know, for me, family is such a high value. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, being able to be there for my mom, being able to be there for my girls, uh, and, you know, in 
encouraging my wife. You know, she uh, does a very valuable yet highly underappreciated job oftentimes uh you know don't get me started uh on that that rant uh but um but it's just uh you know for me it was like yeah i could go write another book or i could be there for my kids yeah and there's so much life and things to to draw from in your business too from all of that like i think we forget sometimes how integral just living is to getting ideas and to, you know, giving yourself the time to give your thoughts some space, give your brain and your, and yourself, your energy, some space to let other things bubble up. You know, when we're so head down, nose to the grindstone, we, we don't leave room for that. And I think that's something from a creativity standpoint, it's a difficult thing to put into practice. Um, But that's why I think, you know, talking about saying no, that fits perfectly into, you know, how to get there, right? Yes. And, and one of the, the uh, phrases that I use in the book, it, it's a quote. And for the life of me, I do not remember who I first heard this quote from. And it has stayed with me and it has haunted me for seriously the last 30 years. And the quality of our yeses is determined by the quantity of our noes. Say that one more time. The quality of our yeses is determined by the quantity of our no's. Yes. And that really kind of became the cornerstone thesis of this course is really learning how to say no to your audience. You know, and I, the, the, you know, that's kind of how that branding name came up is, you know, we always talk in public speaking, know your audience, know your yes. audience, K-N-O-W. But I'm like, know your audience, N-O, say no to your audience sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and really using that phrase as a key. And so one of the things I started out with, because I actually started out with the techniques of saying no, which if you go out on the internet, you know, there, there are tons of suggestions on how to say no to people. Again, nothing new. It's just a, a repackaging, a reapplication yep. of them. But I'm like, you know, none of these really start with the myths of why we don't say no more often. And so I, I'm like, we need to back up a little bit before we just show people how to say no a lot is we really need to kind of back up and say, you know, okay, first of all, why do why? we have a yes crisis? Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, talk about the, the, you know, all the anxiety that that produces, you know, the, the shoulds oh. uh, of, of saying yes, far too often to, to people. And, um, and, and, you know, the, the defeat that creates, you know, when you have this long task list of like five zillion things and you only, you know, you will only have the capacity to maybe finish three or four of those. Right. And, and at the end of the day, you're like, well, I didn't get anything done. Well, no, you got three or four really critical things done. Celebrate that instead of the, the, the shoulds that you set yourself up. For yeah. Failure on. 100%. The part then, that, I was just going to say oh, that go the part that read that resonated with me the most was when you said, that as Midwesterners, we especially have that struggle. My husband is Dutch and he is very direct. Like he's OG Dutch people. Like he, <laughs> he, he came off of, well, the airplane, not the boat, but <laughs> le- legitimately immigrated to this country. And I've experienced Dutch culture quite a bit, like 
immersively and they very direct. It's just the nature of that culture. And so that is really tough for me. I'm a Midwestern obliger. I love to make people feel good. I'm a pleaser. So this word is so hard for me. And my husband will always say, you know, you just, just say it, just say it. Don't, you know, like you don't have to be mean about it, but just be direct with, you know, either with your intentions or with what you really can accomplish. And so we've just gotten conditioned to where, you know, there's almost the badge of honor of taking on so much and not saying no. I think there's a stigma with that too. And and it really is. It's just being realistic. It doesn't mean that you're not a good human or you're not a productive one. Just, yeah. you know. Well, and as I, uh, I don't think I actually said this in the workshop. I don't know. Maybe I did. But here in the Midwest, passive aggression is a food group. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and it we, is. Gosh, I love we, that. You know, we, um, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, Meredith Wilson's The Music Man. But that opening song where they're talking about Iowans. Yes. Like, Holy crap. I, you know, a century later, that still applies <laughs> uh, uh, of, you know, that, that mindset uh, of uh, how Iowans behave. And so you, you, you look at, at that and, right. and we do, we, we are, there is this Iowa nice thing. There is. And they say have. old habits die hard, but I think sometimes they don't die at all. And they need yeah, to. no, they're, they're just passed on. It's to the just next passed and passed and, and passed. But yeah. that's why these things are so critical, Tim. It's like the, the know your audience, like being able to say, no, we need to go back to school on these little life skill tips, right? Like yeah. we need to pay attention and to have somebody like yourself, somebody like myself polish and just like wake up to the little teeny tiny, but very vital skills that will change the trajectory of how you are how you interact what how you be right uh, exactly and and really that that was kind of what came into this was you know it was another case of yes versus no the number of students i had when i would talk about these things uh and i think i started introducing the saying no stuff maybe about seven eight years ago so it would have been after you graduated mm-hmm. uh but the number of students who have said wow, I wish my boss, spouse, significant other, uh, brother, sister, friend, coworker could hear this. Yes. You know, and and so I'm like, well, why do you need to spend tens of thousands of dollars on an MBA? And that's not putting down MBAs. I I think they are very valuable, but they aren't for everybody. Um, and, And so what are those key little things that I could share uh, for considerably less money, uh, the, the, you know, someone could go out and spend a half hour to an hour learning one key skill that they can take back to their workplace. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I love about teaching is I always try to keep things as relevant and applicable as possible. Uh, I, I'm almost allergic to academia you know, <laughs> and, and, and all of the, that comes with it, but I, you know, one of the biggest highs I get as a professor is one when one of my students, like on week two or three of my course, will send me an email and say, I was just able to apply this. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it, you know, it made me look good on my job. Yeah. So, How would you say you learned this lesson of no? Was it something that you've always been good at? Or was there practice? 
Oh, you're shaking your head with, yeah. <laughs> with, with enthusiasm. Like, yeah. no, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have not always been good at no. Uh, and I have come close to burnout a few times in my mm. life because of that. Yeah. And, um, and uh, a, you know, one big life lesson that hit me like a ton of bricks uh, actually occurred about uh, 30 years ago, my young adult life. Mm -hmm. um, and I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and actually it was 30 years ago this summer when that happened, uh, and very treatable thyroid cancer. Um, and, but five months later, then my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Jeez. So I, and I was in the middle of getting my MBA at the time at Drake. So I was working uh, a full day. Uh, I would be in classes at night. Uh, I would be the support mechanism for both my parents or try to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was also a cancer patient at the time. Dang. And so learning those life skills um, you know, it was like this collision, you know, and when I tell people about this, they're like, oh my gosh, that's like the perfect storm, you know, poor you. And I'm like, yes, I, I mean, I miss my dad and everything, but wow, what a great living lab uh, of life lessons to get mm -hmm. in your twenties Yes, uh, of, you know, learning what's really, truly important in life and learning how to go after things and, if you want to go after things in this life, you have to learn to say no. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things I talked about in the workshop was, you know, the, the word decide or decision and, and how the suffix of that word, you know, the, the C-I-D-E or the C-I-S-I-O-N uh, shares the same suffix as words like incision, suicide, genocide, homicide. If you're going to decide something, if you're going to make a decision, guess what? You have to cut or kill it's a something. Cut. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, uh, people don't like that it's the you know again it goes back to the myths of why we don't say more no more often is i might need that i might want that uh you know and we're like emotional uh, hoarders yes we, we are and, and that's <laughs> why i i use the example in that myth of you know your grandmother's tupperware drawer yes you know think about how many mismatched Oh my God. Tupperware are in our parents or grandparents' uh, Tupperware drawer. Yes. And, and to be fair, uh, full disclosure here, the picture <laughs> I used in the training was actually our Tupperware <laughs> drawer. Um, you know, and um, it's a practice uh, we all, we're not perfect. Just because oh, we teach no. it doesn't mean we're perfect at it. Yeah, I think it, it's, it, we just have the courage to talk about it. It might show up sometime, you know, the, the lid or the, the bottom or yep. whatever. And, and I, I've joked with my wife. I'm like, should we go through this? She's like, no. And, and you know, so I'm like, oh, you're channeling Von Seal again, who is her <laughs> grandmother, by the way. Um, and Von Seal Miller was the sweetest, most wonderful woman. I loved her. Uh, she passed away about 20 years ago. Uh, and, and she lived out on this farm in rural Missouri. Uh, chances are, if I said the town, maybe a handful might know where it is. Uh, but it's this little town called Plevna, Missouri. 
and, and the population was maybe about 50 or 60 people. Uh, and she lived in the same farmhouse that she and her husband settled in when they, you know, first got married and everything. And, uh, but, you know, her catchphrase was, well, that's a perfectly good box. <laughs> uh, and, and after she passed away, the number of perfectly good boxes that we threw away as we we're going through things, you know, it was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so, but a light bulb for this though, if we want to connect that to our lives is that the perfectly good box is perfectly good, but it's not serving me in, in the, in the way that I need to be served it, or it needs to be of service. Yeah. So if we release that and put it back out into the world for somebody who needs a perfectly good box, aha, uh-huh, there's the connection because we said, no, somebody else got to say yes. Exactly. And you know, I mean, that's why thrifting is, is so popular yeah. it is uh, those people who said, no, one man's trash is another man's treasure. In uh, so and, many ways. Yes. Yes. And, and so learning how to say no to, you know, old possessions and, you know, what have you is, is such a key skill, but, you know, even professionally uh, we take on so much uh, and, you know, it's been interesting for me, you know, the last few months as I've not been doing contract work and, um, and I've had opportunities to interview, uh, and it, you know, yes, getting a, uh, you know, that steady paycheck, uh, from consulting, having that sure thing is always good, but, you know, there would either be something about the job itself or the company company I was working with, uh, would be working with. And, and I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, it, it just, no. And oh, by the way, no. And yeah. so, and, and I, I joked with the recruiter that I was dealing with. I, I just told her, I'm like, I'm sorry. I must sound like the fussy little kid at the dinner table who won't eat anything uh, because <laughs> I would find things wrong with so many of her proposals of contracts or clients. And, and I mean, she gets me though, because she understands that, you know, two things are very important to me are branding and culture and Mm -hmm. culture is actually the third workshop that i'm developing right now uh that that's in development uh i hope to have it released next month um and and really it's just how do you understand and read and assess a corporate culture uh yeah so for the job seekers out there who who've been offered maybe a little better job title and a 10 percent pay raise over what you're getting now you know that might be, that might sound promising and great, but, you know, maybe that that's not a culture that's a fit for you personally. Right. And- well, and I, and I'd like to touch on this real quick, because I think that when I, rem- when I remember being, you know, young and in search of my first few jobs, you, you still know, are young, Jill. I remember, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, but I remember the feeling of just like, I hope they like me or I like, it, it seemed, it was very one-sided. I felt very like, I'll be, you know, it's just, it'll be the bee's knees if they want me, but, but not often. I don't know ever. Did I ever think that maybe I don't want that, that there's a mutual selection Yes. Opportunity there. Right. Where, you know, 
we just want the job. We want the pay. We want to be employed. We want, you know, it, it's a big deal to be part of this organization or X, Y, Z, but there really is an important checkpoint for yourself. Just like you highlighted for you now, you can, it's okay to, to interview them as much as they interview you. And maybe that's changed in the years since I've been really, yeah. you know, heavy into, into corporate life or, you know, being part of, of you know, full-time organization. But, but I think that too is, is the permission to say no. Yeah. Right. But, but think about, you know, from like a dating perspective. Yes. You know, how, how many of us would, would go knowingly into a dating relationship only thinking, oh, I hope they like me. My uh, hand is high way <laughs> up right now. And, but, you know, that's not how relationships are built. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you, yes, you hope they like ones. you, but, but you also have to be able to like them too. It's it a puzzle piece, a, right? It's, yeah, it's a mutual thing. And, and that, you know, the, the best headhunters I've seen have been the ones who act like matchmakers. Yes. Uh, the, the ones who view this as, uh, okay, you know, are you a good fit for the company? And is the company a good fit for you? Yeah. And there are companies, uh, I won't name them, that, you know, if they pop up on my, hey, we're looking for a project manager. I'm like, eh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pass. But, what is yeah. it? I don't even know. Swipe left. Yeah. yeah. Is that even right? Like, I'm yeah, aging, it, I'm sure. it, it would be, you know, yeah, the, the equivalent of swipe <laughs> left. Yeah. But, um, but I feel but, like yeah. all of this comes back to, Knowing yourself, right? Knowing your boundaries, having enough confidence or at least enough awareness. The confidence may come, but at least the awareness of who you are, what's important to you, what your capabilities are, and what your values are. For you, you're talking about your family. You're talking about culture. These are things that really allow you to do your best work when everything is in balance, right? And so if we're saying, oh, I really should want to work for XYZ. Okay. Well, according to who, and so what if you don't, right? You can say no, it's okay. Like, and that's keeping, again, it's almost like the balance of the, the world's ecosystem of, of belonging in a way, because Tim, you're, you're saying no allowed Jack and Jill over here to say yes. And everything is in balance and every, you know, like there's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. There's so many tools out on the market right now. And a lot of them are free. You know, you you can take a small mini Myers-Briggs test. Yes. uh, And, and, you know, strength finders costs, uh, what, not even $20 for. Yeah. Enneagram is a big hot one right now too. Yeah. 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 The Enneagram uh, disc is still uh, Mm -hmm. popular. Although I, I, you know, I can't look at disc the same way. Finding out that the person who created disc was also the same guy who created Wonder Woman. <laughs> so, so it, it's like uh, the, the lasso of truth. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, true fact, he also created uh, the, the lie detector. Yeah, the technology for the light. Interesting. Detector. A multi-talented so, so, person. Yeah, the, this, yeah, this guy, uh, his backstory was just, you know, crazy, wild. Uh, but, um, but yeah, there are just all these wonderful tools on the market that, that you can use and leverage. And, um, 
and uh, you know, very, very accurate. I mean, well, you look at Strengths Finder, uh, and you know, Gallup has, has pulled millions of people to come up with that. It, you know, when I did my Strengths Finder, it, 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 I looked at the results. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the spot on. <laughs> and it's so creepy. It, it really was. It's like, have you sent a, like a little gnome following me around for <laughs> my entire life? Like, yikes. So, but there's a lot of powerful knowledge in that. And I think, you know, yes. those are tools for you to get to know what makes you tick or, you know, yeah. even the things that maybe seem obvious, but, you know, putting them in a language that helps you frame that in a way to help you make decisions, to really help you understand why you do what you do or what is important to you or how people perceive you or, you know, kind of working with other people. So there's a lot of great stuff to know in there. Yeah. And, and there are so many awesome resources right now. Um, I mean, I, I think back to when we were in our teens and early twenties, you know, the, the concept of going to a therapist Oh, for was sure. Just, it was just, you have the stigma. And, and now it's so great seeing things like mental health taking the forefront of you, you need help, get help. It's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and wow, talk about, you know, big no's and shoulds. Uh, you know, that, that was, that was huge. And uh, a little funny backstory. You, you know me, I'm off on a tangent all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I had actually heard the uh, the wordplay uh, of should uh, 30 years ago, mm -hmm. and it was right after uh, I'd been through all of that, you know, lost my dad, had survived cancer, and the funeral home uh, where, um, where we had had uh, dad's uh, arrangements made had a uh, workshop for the holidays for, you know, families, surviving families. And just talking about, you know, how to navigate through the holidays mm -hmm. and the, their advice was, you have to do what feels right for you right now. And so if having the big family dinner doesn't feel right, don't do it. Mm -hmm. If you want to hop on a plane and go to the Bahamas instead, do that. Right. Uh, and, and they, they capped it off with, don't let anyone should on you. Yeah. And, and uh, that, that wordplay has just always stuck with me for, for the last 30 years. Uh, again, partly because of my dark humor and I, <laughs> I love the inference there, but, but, uh, but, you know, and, and it, it's so true. There are so many people out there and they are just well-meaning as heck, but, but, you know, the, the level of toxicity of, mm -hmm. well, you should do this. You should do that. Mm -hmm. um, we, we only have your best interest at heart here. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, no, you really don't, but thank you for sharing. Right. <laughs> we, we, we have some lovely parting gifts for you on your yes. way out. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. And, and then I, it, you know, for me, it was, um, I'd gotten so conditioned young because again, it was my pleasing nature. I just, you know, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I wanted to follow the rules and do things, you know, right. And so for me, that just like, that just was the, the water slide right into the pool of shoulds. And it just, then I started doing it to myself. Like I just started making this stuff up in my mind that this is what I should be doing. I was just watching everybody else. And it was, you know, I think, you know, so the more we talk about this at any age, whether you, whether it helps you 
um, become aware of how you talk to your kids or how, you know, how you operate in your own life. Now I'm talking a lot about language and just word choice. You know, we, we like to play with words a lot. It's, you know, deleting should from your vocabulary. Holy crap, do that. And you'd be shocked yeah. at, at different ways of thinking just by changing one word. So I think there's so many, you know, again, just us having the conversation about this and, and the joy of having people listen is, is just yeah. a huge step in the right direction. Well, and one of the things you, you talk about word choice, and I will sometimes catch myself doing a should uh, on other people. <laughs> and one of the things I've tried to catch myself changing on should is instead of saying you should, is I will you know, change it to a question and start it out with, have you considered? Uh-huh. And, you know, then it's open. It's not a, a pressure on you. Yep. Hey, here's another way you could possibly consider doing it. I see benefit in this, but if you don't, no harm, no foul. Right, right. Because uh, and, it all comes back to, to, you know, as a pleaser, the last thing I want to do is disappoint you, yeah. anybody. So just by changing that, you've changed my, my perception of what happens if I choose not to. Because yeah. that is, I could choose to say, to say no. no. Yeah, I could say no. Yeah, you have that permission to, to say no. When I put it in the form of a question, say, have you considered? And, and you might go, well, wow, no, I haven't considered. Uh, tell me more. Or you, you, you shut me down right away. No, that won't work. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then, you know, I've at least presented it. Yep. And, you know, it, as you said, you know, we learn these behaviors, so should rolls downhill and, <laughs> you know, Oh my God, I'm stealing that. I love it. Should <laughs> roll downhill. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, there, there are so many oh. ways we could go with this. Oh my gosh, Jim, <laughs> please just send me random text messages. Like I will just laugh and this is just, this is the best. Oh, you're so right. My husband, I do have to say, he said, will you please say this during the podcast? I said, yes. He said, tell them that no is your favorite word for, for me. He thinks no is my favorite word because he's, yeah. he says that anytime he presents something, I just say no. So apparently for me, it's easy. It's easy for me to say no to him or to myself, but not to other people. Yeah. And, and I, that, that might be like a wife mom thing. <laughs> Could be. It's funny because, you know, I think our, sometimes our no's are selective by audience. Uh, sure. so for example, my, my wife is very, very passionate about her work at high school. Uh, and she's half time in the classroom and half time is curriculum lead, mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, language arts for seventh through 12th grade. And, um, and she will find herself overwhelmed sometimes, you know, by the commitments on the job. And, and I'm like, did you ever think about telling them no? That wasn't an option. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. well, it's always an option, but yes. uh, but and, and you know, in this past year of the pandemic, you know, there there we've all had to extend so much more grace. I probably said yes uh, more than I've cared to, but mm -hmm. to the people who mean something to me, the, the you know, the line with my values. So right. uh, having the last six months off from. Uh, from you know contracting during the day you know as a an entrepreneur as a contractor you kind of learn okay you, i need to bank you know in case i do have this extended time off so financially you know i I've, I've been fortunate that's not been an issue 
but um but you know taking that time off from working all the time and from dealing with the daily stressors uh that that's just been huge for me because it's allowed me to say yes then to the the ones that are really really important to me the ones where i sh- should be shooting <laughs> yeah the good uh, shoulds and you know yes. so being there for my daughters as they navigate through this really weird bizarre you know thing that we're all experiencing and uh you know being there for my wife you know i mean she got thrown into online teaching with no training no experience whatsoever um and you know thankfully there there have been times where the the worst that's come out of it for me is that she's borrowed my microphone uh, right. and pop filter <laughs> so she could record something. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, being able to say, well, have you considered instead of you should have you considered this for, you know, your course and, uh, and everything, because I, again, I had that luxury of a four-year journey, yeah. uh, you know, migrating into online, uh, that she didn't have, she had like four minutes to do right. to- Right. Right. And so, you know, the the thing is, in the last year, I've had to say yes, but I've also been able to say no to things that don't matter uh, Mm -hmm. and do that more easily. And I've been able to weed out more, uh, you know, personally than uh, than I want. So my family, my friends, my neighbors, they have been my big yes. Yeah. And um, and other things have kind of gone by the wayside so and I, and that's a constant ebb and flow like i think too it's it it's discarding the rigid, rigid thinking that this is just the way it is because yeah. there's never just the way it is because something is always getting thrown at us and life is changing your your daughters as they grow have different needs different yeah. you know different needs of support from you and i i think that's true for all of us in some way shape or form so i think it's understanding that those things fluctuate but when you give yourself your your bubble of what's important to you your values your you know all that and you set yourself up to be able to roll with that that's the sweet spot of then really having that checkpoint within to be able to ask the, have you considered? Cause you can ask that to yourself of. Yeah. And, and I, I have the luxury of time and experience that my daughters don't have. I've mm-hmm. lived through now, you know, the pandemic of 2020 and lived through nine yeah. 11. Uh, I lived through the floods of 93. Mm-hmm. So I've had some, you know, we've some- seen some stuff. Yeah, we've seen some stuff. Yeah, like you know, take that depression era babies and walking uphill to school both ways. Yeah. Well, and so. we're in Iowa, so well, my parents had a derecho too. I mean, we yeah. had that here a little bit, but not, yes. not nearly yeah. what my parents did. But yeah, it's incredible. Power yeah. outages and all the things. Life prepares you for the next big battle, yep. and I, I'm just, you know, you can either let the the battle shut you down. Or you can be like, you know what? My survival rate for bad days so far is a hundred percent. And, um, and, uh, so I'm ready for the next battle. Bring it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's a great end note to, yes. to segue into our rapid fire. What do you think? Ooh, rapid fire. I'm scared. I gave you a head start though. <laughs> you did. These you are did. fun. 
These are fun. And I'm a total, I totally steal this from Brene Brown, but it's always like the, the cherry on top of her episodes. So I just think they're yeah. really fun. I tweaked them a little bit. Your favorite book of all time. Not one you've written. I, I well, no, <laughs> I, I think you already know the answer to that. Um, I would have to say, you know, Steve Farber's Radical Leap. Um, yes. You know, that do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Uh, you know, really was life changing for me. It's really altered uh, about the last 15 years of the trajectory of my career. So, uh, so and I, I've been fortunate enough to, to become friends with Steve and his wife and uh, have met so many wonderful people uh, through him. So, um, yeah, you love it so much. It's part of your curriculum. I read that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, the self self leadership uh, seminar that I teach. Uh, you know, radical leap and radical edge are both the cornerstone of that yeah. curriculum. So you will find those in the show notes, friends. Yes. Side note. Okay, next one. Your favorite meal and who you'd like to dine with. My favorite meal, uh, actually. So my wife makes the most insanely great prime rib. Uh, and she makes it like once or twice a year and we have the same meal every time and she makes uh prime rib and she makes a spinach gratin with it um and, and you know in case your audience cares she uses tyler florence's prime rib recipe okay and she uses ina garten's spinach gratin recipe uh and my contribution to that meal is uh roasted garlic mashed potatoes Ooh, very nice uh and i i have my own little secret for getting the perfect mashed potatoes which i will share don't worry please um so what i do is after i peel the potatoes you and you always want to use yukon gold for yes mashed i agree potatoes. with that 100 percent um, uh, but what I do is I will peel them, I will quarter them, and then I will put them in an icy saltwater bath for three hours. Interesting. Yes, because uh, that kind of removes some of that starchiness out of the potatoes. And so uh, then after I, I rinse them, uh, I, you know, everything else is the same after that. Um, when, uh, but I... My kids love my mashed potatoes. They, they've said nothing compares. So, have you ever done a side by side of someone else's? Well, no, of like the soaked versus the non soaked. Um, no, I've not. Once Ooh. I learned the, the secret of the soaked, uh, never, there's yeah, no going back. The, there's no going back. Okay, yeah. well, I'm taking uh, that as my own personal. Yeah. Test kitchen test. Okay, you you do that. Let me know. If, uh, but um, it was funny. I actually shared it on a Facebook group uh, last Thanksgiving, and one of the women on the group uh, used it, and she said her children, who um, hate mashed potatoes, I'm like, what anarchists are you raising for starters? But she's like, they loved these. So incredible. So. There, there must be something to it. All right. But, um, this foodie is on it for yeah. sure. But one of the things I've also learned on mashed potatoes is the order in which you add the ingredients afterwards. Okay. So when I am like draining the potatoes out in the colander, I will add my butter uh, to that. And then if it's the roasted garlic variety, uh, you know, I've obviously roasted all the garlic. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the, there should be no such phrase as too much garlic in the English language. I agree. Um, you know, it, that, that phrase you, you want, as long as we're banishing should let's banish the phrase <laughs> too much garlic as well. 
Um, and, and so I will, uh, you know, if I'm doing the garlic ones, I, I will roast the garlic. I will mix it with the butter uh, before I, I meld it in. So yes. I make like a, a butter garlic paste. Yes. But yes. while the potatoes are in the col colander, that's when I add the butter in because the mm. pan is nice and hot and yes. the butter starts to melt. And then once I've added the potatoes and I start to kind of mash it up, the first thing I add is the sour cream. Mm -hmm. I don't add the milk. Uh, because then, you know, the milk is just the thing at the very end that kind of makes it nice and light and fluffy. So. Yeah. Oh. Um, and the salt and pepper, of course. But yeah, but that's it. I mean, it's really nothing. The only thing I do drastically different than the way most people make their mashed potatoes is the icy salt water bath for three hours. I'll be danged. I yeah. can't wait to try it. And I can't wait. You know, obviously dining with my family. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, there there are all kinds of wonderful people I could dine with, but really, our our family conversations, yeah, they're, they're just awesome. I I love my girls and uh, and my wife, and we just have you know so many fun dinner conversations. So oh. it, it's it's really just an enjoyable time. Yeah. You know? You're doing so, it right. You're doing yeah. it right. Okay. Next one. What's on your car's front seat? There is always a charger on my car's front seat. I am one of these people who are psychotically neurotic that if my phone gets below 70%, the world will end. So, you know, the, you know it might not be on the front seat. It might be on the, the, uh, the dash or, or the, the console in the middle. But there is always a, at least one car charger, if not multiple. And, and it was funny. My wife was going to be taking a trip uh, recently. Um, and she's like, you might want to, you know, put a new brick, a uh, new charger brick in my car. Uh, that one's been in there for months. It's maintained its uh, charge really well. I'm like, well, for starters, it hasn't been in there for months. I do switch it out regularly. <laughs> uh, I just don't tell you about it. So, <laughs> so. that's your love language. You're taking yes. care of her. That's so yes, nice. Uh, uh, well, chargers is my love language. Well, <laughs> hey, power. <laughs> Yeah. Power, power, power. I love it. Yeah. Staying alive. Okay. Our last one. What is your favorite everyday task or practice that just brings you joy? I love walking and uh, I'm happy that winter is coming to an end uh, because in my neighborhood, uh, this is no longer going to be a best kept secret again once I tell you this. But we have the most wonderful arboretum in our neighborhood uh, called the Dunlap Arboretum. It was donated by some residents in Urbandale. But in Patricia Park, uh, yeah, I love walking the arboretum. Uh, I try to do it every single day. Uh, sometimes it's with family. Sometimes it's just alone because I need the, the uh, mental time to, to rejuvenate. But, uh, you know, I've got my Fitbit, I get my 10,000 steps in every day. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, that that's the thing that really brings me joy. Annoying my dog, Fergus is also <laughs> kind of uh, fun. But, you know, I, I've got to balance that a little bit. I can't of annoy course. him too much. So. Of course. Uh, anything else you want to share before we sign off? Uh, no, thank you. It's been so much fun. I, I, I always love our conversations anyway, Jill. So, uh, the, this has just been great. So. Oh, same, <laughs> same, same. And again, it's just, oh, we have to say hi to Melissa Labus. Cause I know she's going to be listening. Melissa. Hi. Uh, you know, hope you're doing well. 
<laughs> yeah, you're never far from our thoughts, but no, no, um, never. <laughs> but it's just a testament to him to just how impactful your work is that students from over 10 plus years are still as, you know, yeah. attracted to you as we were when we were there. And it's just, oh, it's a testament shocks. to, to <laughs> your, just to who you are as a human and, and the work you're doing in the world. It's just really important. And well, thank you. It's just been an absolute joy to have you. And I look forward to our next conversation. I, I do too. So, all right. Good to talk to you, Tim. Great talking to you. A few things before we go, I am on a mission to collect 1 million shoulds. You heard me right. 1 million shoulds. And you can help. All you have to do is go to www.heyjill.com and click the bright green box on the homepage to submit your shoulds. You can also send me an email at jill at heyjill.com. I am going to be sending prizes to random contributors just because I think that's fun and because this is my thing and I can do whatever I want. So you can enter and send as many as you want to. Once you send your first batch, I guarantee you will start catching yourself and you will want to send me more. So please keep them coming. Tell your friends, tell your mother-in-law. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. There's going to be great things to come because of the contributions that you're making. So again, thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of this mission. And don't forget, stop shooting yourself.